Welcome to the Defence Forces podcast brought to you by the Defence Forces Public Relations Branch. Hello and welcome to the Irish Defence Forces podcast. My name is Captain Keen Clancy and today we're chatting to Lieutenant Paul O'Brien, the Gunnery and Fisheries Officer on board Ellie Kira, about the Naval Service Cadetship and the process of becoming a qualified Naval Service Operations Officer. Thanks very much for coming on, Paul. Thanks, Keen. Good to be here. Welcome. So just to kind of go through what we're going to talk about, so we're going to go through a bit about your own background, um, and then we're going to talk about various phases of uh, the Naval Service Cadetship. We'll skate over the period of time that's spent in the Corps, just a brief overview at the start of the training, and then we'll deal with the actual military training itself, time on board ships, and the time in the National Maritime College of Ireland and the type of qualifications you can expect to get, and the type of training you can expect to do. So first of all, though, for people outside, for people who may not know, like, what exactly is the role of a Naval Service Operations Officer? So the operations branch, um, it's very diverse. You've you've an opportunity to serve um, and work in a variety of different departments. So we can we can talk about navigation, communications departments, logistics, gunnery, and fisheries departments on on ships at sea, uh, and as well as postings ashore as well. And like, there is obviously the kind of military aspect of it as well. That like we've seen, we've obviously over the last few weeks been doing podcasts on the three service, services cadet ships but there's the becoming a manager and a military officer on board the ship as well and, and the maintenance of discipline and that kind of thing yeah that's a, that's a huge factor in our training and in our operations roles um, so as you develop your experience levels obviously you progress within the organisation and, and you can move up to roles such as the executive officer and, and ultimately I suppose operations it's, it's focused on the ultimate goal is becoming captain of a state ship, so that's the the, the end goal, I suppose, for an operations branch officer. Okay, that's the that's the big one that you're that you're all kind of aiming towards. So, just for, just for yourself, like uh, just a bit of background on, on you, Paul. Like, did you always want to join the naval service, or what kind of drew you to the job? Or I, to be honest, I didn't really have a, a family history associated with the naval service. Um, I didn't have a huge amount of experience on the water. I just I suppose I had an interest in in leadership and the responsibility associated with a defence forces officer role. And I suppose I thought the naval service was the best place for me to to start that. Okay, and where, where are you from? Are you, uh, I'm Limerick originally. Oh, you're yeah, yeah, Limerick. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, like, with regard to your kind of career, so how long have you been in, and, and what kind of roles have you filled since since you actually joined? So I joined as a, an operations branch cadet in 2010. I completed a two-year cadetship and was commissioned September 2012. Um, I qualified as a naval watchkeeper in 2015, and since then I've served in a number of different roles at sea and ashore. Okay, right. And currently you are, as we said, on the Ellie Kira. Ellie Kira, yes. Yeah, so the gunnery and fisheries officer on board the Ellie Kira. So just to kind of start off on the actual cadetship itself, so you come in the gate in, in onto Hall Bowl Island on your, on your first end. The first thing you do is you do a period of familiarisation. Yes, so um, cadets undergo a week or possibly two weeks of sea familiarisation. So they're, they're basically straight out onto a naval service ship to get an experience of life at sea. And this is just prior to, to embarking on, on their, their military training in the Curragh camp with their, their army and their Air Corps counterparts. Okay, so you have, a, you have a couple of weeks done and then you, you go up for that first initial three months in the Curragh camp. Um, what's, the, what's the goal of that from a naval service point of view? Um, I suppose it's, it's just giving you a grounding in military life. Uh, it's, it's giving you an introduction to the basics of, of military training, um, Shooting, saluting, all the, the fundamentals of becoming a member of, of the Defence Forces. And uh, the military socialisation aspect, which we've spoken about in the, in the previous episodes on the Army and the Air Corps cadetships, is very important. That kind of bonding with your classmates and getting used to being in a, in a military setting. Exactly, yeah, that's fundamental to the, the first phase, that three-month period in the Curragh camp, yes. Okay. So, okay, so you do your three months in the Curragh camp, you've done, you've done a bit of foot drill, you've done the style rifle and the kind of section of weapons. And 
at that point then you move back down to the naval base to actually begin the maritime element of your training so what does that involve um, when you get back down to Holbolen? So yeah you return you return to Holbolen, um and I suppose you're just getting an introduction to the fundamentals of, of being a, a seafarer and a, a, an operations officer in the in the naval service so you're, you're embarking on a number of, of short courses to to I suppose hone your skills on the different elements needed in okay. terms of naval service life. And so like with regards to sort of your initial she- seamanship training, like get, getting used to being on board a ship and, and doing things like what does that what does that kind of entail? Like your So yeah, seamanship training you're you're looking at line handling, knot tying, all the f- the basics of, of um life at sea, essentially the, the the fundamental skills you need to to have any sort of a, a nautical yeah. uh, career or background. Mm-hmm. As you said, we need to kind of operate on board the deck of a ship. Exactly, yes. Um and then you start onto the fundamentals of navigation as well. Yes, you start with your navigation. So you're starting with your basics in terms of paper charts, how to navigate a ship safely, um, and how to learn the, the tools I suppose you'll need in your future career. Okay, right. And it's at a kind of a very base level, and you kind of build up from from a kind of a very base. Exactly. Level. Yeah, you're starting with the very basics of navigation, um, paper chart work, um, learning how to plan routes um, and execute pilotage safely. Okay, right. And then what kind of other t- other topics are we talking? Um, I presume like learning about the weather and things is, is, is an important part, especially if you're going to be taking a, a vessel out to sea. Yeah, meteorology as well is, a, is fundamental for any any operations officer and an understanding of how how the weather systems work around us, yes. Okay. Uh, and like other short courses then, uh, you, men- you mentioned like there's like engineering weeks, kind of gunnery weeks, stuff that is is kind of part of learning about these like different specialisations on board a ship. Exactly, yeah. So as a cadet, I suppose it's 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 fundamental that you you get an insight into different departments on a, a naval service ship. So we do a week of uh, engineering um, experience, I suppose, or just getting the basics of the engineering systems on board and the ship. We were talking about like in down in the bowels of the ship itself. Where exactly, actual, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, how a ship operates and how the, the engineering department manage their resources. Then we have a communications week. We have um, a number of other short courses, such as um, PST, so personal survival techniques, and damage control and firefighting. So these are all kind of courses essential to life at sea. So like, regards sort of survival training, I think a lot of people would be interested, especially, I would imagine that the sea survival thing is very extensive, especially you can be out hundreds of miles off any um off any land so what, what's that kind of training like yeah so that's carried out in the in the maritime college yeah. um it's very interesting course you're learning the fundamentals of of how to deal with an emergency situation how abandoning abandoning a ship at sea obviously is is a very dangerous situation and you're just learning how to go about that safely in the the pool over there the simulation pool i've actually i've seen a bit of footage of that and we, we would have we would put, put stuff out on it before but it's really extensive it's quite a like a lot of kind of big wave generation and kind of yeah. really puts you through the well, an idea of what it would be like to actually have to abandon a ship in a storm. Exactly, yeah. It's very, very interesting course. Wind simulators and wave simulators, as you said, it's a, it's a very interesting course to, to, to carry out. And what about the uh, damage control and firefighting um, course? Yeah, so that's uh, another course conducted in the Maritime College. Um, so obviously when you're at sea, if you have a, a fire on board a ship, you can't call a fire brigade, so you need to be able to fight the fire yourself. Yeah. So the damage control firefighting course is a fundamental that that every person on board a ship has to complete before they can go to sea. Okay. Well, it makes sense. I know we, we did a we did a podcast a few weeks ago with um the captain of the LE Samuel Be- or the LE James Joyce, sorry, and he was talking about how a ship is like a little village in itself, and it needs to be self self sufficient and be able to do all of these exactly, things itself, yes. like firefighting exactly. and like being able to administrate yourself effectively at sea. Um. 
So that's kind of part of the initial phase of training. There's also uh, something that is common to all of the tree services would be the physical fitness side of it. Yeah, that's um, that's a huge element throughout the cadetship, yes. So right from the start, you're, you're embarking on regular PT sessions. Um, you're up first thing in the morning, going for a jog, doing a kind of EMA, as we call them, early morning activities. So you're kind of getting your body built up, I suppose, to, to having a very high level of fitness um, by the time the cadetship completes. And that's mainly, does that, that starts off, I presume, like in runners and shorts and kind of progresses its way up. Into yeah, everything from running to circuit training. Um, we move on then to kind of battle PTs where you're doing physical training sessions, wearing your, your kind of um, army equipment or your naval service equipment. Yeah. Okay, well, so, so we're building up that level of robustness. Like, you know, exactly, uh, yeah. It's, that kind of robustness is a real sort of standard thing that we've seen in, in everybody we've talked to about the, about the three cadetships. So... Okay, so we've gone through like the, the basic kind of seamanship training, you've, you've started navigation, you've done your uh, survival training and your, your damage control firefighting and your various, your various um, sub-courses. There was one actually that we didn't mention that I have actually heard about before, which is the fisheries week. Yeah, so um, we, we conduct kind of a familiarisation week for all cadets. Um, so just the fisheries obviously is very important for the Naval Service. There's quite a lot of um, legislation involved and a lot of um, technical measures that need to be learned for for all operations branch officers. So we conduct kind of a familiarization week in the in conjunction with the Fisheries Monitoring Centre, the naval base. Yeah. So it's just getting to know how to conduct the fisheries boarding, how to carry out net measurements, getting familiar with all the legislation basically that and all the various species of fish too, so you know exactly, yeah. familiarization. Catching yeah. something that they're supposed to be catching or they're exactly. not supposed to be catching. Fish ID is a, is an important part of that as well, yes. Okay, so we talked about the physical robustness, we talked about that initial bit of training. So when you move into the kind of further phase of training, you start spending a bit more time in the National Maritime College of Ireland for your actual degree that comes with the training. Yeah, so um, as an operations branch officer, we, we do um, a level 7, level 8 in nautical science. So that's in the Maritime College. And like, what's, in, what's kind of involved in, in that? Obviously, are, are you going in as a, as a kind of civilian into the college? Is it kind of a downtime from the military side of it or is that kind of maintained? No, so you're 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 attending college in your uniform essentially, but you're in the same class as civilian students. So yeah. we have um, we have a large class of students studying to become officers in the merchant navy. So we're tra- training side by side with them. Just so that you're like international best practice, and you all have the same sort of international qualification. For, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. For operating yeah. both in the military environment and in the civilian. Yeah, environment. the fundamentals are the same, really. Yes. And so, in the degree, what kind what kind of topics are covered? Uh, like, what what are the what are the fundamental subjects of nautical science? So I suppose it's touching on a lot of the stuff we we talked about earlier, like some meteorology, your, your navigation kind of basics, but it's obviously building it up a level. Um, there's a large kind of science base to it as well, the likes of spherical trigonom- trigonometry, some applied maths and a few other kind of core subjects. And is that all, like, is that kind of applied maths, that's all related to learning how to navigate the ship effectively using the kind of charts we talked about earlier? Exactly, using what's around you, navigating, um, Astro navigation as well, that kind of side of the house, just kind of learning the fundamentals of, of navigating, really. Okay, right. And then there's a, you mentioned that there's a kind of a ship construction block as well. Like, and is that just learning about various types of ships? Various or? types of ships, how to handle them. Ship stability then is another key factor, especially for the, the merchant students who would be, you know, working on cargo ships or so big tankers. containers. And there's exactly, a lot of calculations yeah. have to go into how many containers and where you can fit them exactly, and what yeah, you can do yeah. with them, so that they kind of remain safe. Well, and. I, Obviously, at the same time, you're coming back into the 
uh, naval college in the say in the evenings and yeah. study time. So you're living in the in the naval base, yeah, and you're you're going off to college then in the mornings for the the, the days activities, yeah. And kind of then in the main, maintaining the sort of level of fitness and robustness that you built up in the first kind of part of training and kind exactly. of maintaining that military discipline. Exactly, yeah. Right. And so, in the summer period, then after the kind of college term ends, is you we come to your first sustained block at sea. Exactly, yeah. Everyone is posted out to a, a naval service vessel. So you're getting your first kind of eight weeks of time on a ship. So it's a, it's probably the first real taste of life at sea. And what was that? What was that like for you? Uh, it was good. Yeah, it, was, it took some adjusting. Yeah. Um, it was a good experience. Obviously, initial few days you're lost. You don't know where you're going. You're getting lost on the ship. Yeah. You're feeling a bit queasy at times. A little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We all get a small bit of it, but um, but it's a great experience. You get to get to see how a ship really works. Yeah, as opposed to just reading about it, you're kind of living it. Of course, and from from people that I would have talked to before about about it, other people in the naval service, for anybody that's thinking of joining the naval service as either a recruiter or as an officer cadet, the, the seasickness thing seems to play on people's minds. But it is something that you do get over um, eventually. That it does kind of go. Over. You do, yeah. Most people will will have maybe a day or two of it, but two three days into it, you're you're feeling fine again, and you generally build up a tolerance to it. Like so, it's yeah. not something. Very few people really suffer with it long term. Well, that's good. I'm sure that's good for a lot of people. For Absolutely. Lot of people yeah. And what about like as we were down on the on the Elikira just for, for a brief kind of look around just before we, we did the podcast and like it's it, it's a very space is at a premium, shall we say? So like it's important. Like things are designed in such a way that they fit into places and everybody has a little space. How how is it adjusting to that kind of environment? Yeah, I found that quite tough. Right, um, you don't have as much space as you're you're used to, I suppose. But the cadetship is kind of designed to get you used to, I suppose, a four-week block. So you're, you're generally in the base for four weeks, then you get to go home for a weekend. So that's mirroring, I suppose, life at sea where you're doing probably a four-week patrol. Yeah. So the cadetship is, is designed specifically to, to get people used to life at sea, really. And it gets used to that kind of rhythm. And yeah, and you're in close proximity to your, your classmates as well. So it's Yeah, so I'm sure you'll get, knock a bit of crack out of it as well. Oh, yeah, it's very good. Yeah. Very good fun. Like, as regards, like, what, so what, ship, what ship did you actually serve your your time on or, or do you serve on different ships for the period I went to Ellie Neve Ellie Neve yeah so she'd be a, a, quite a bit larger than the Kira we were on this morning yeah. but um, still space is at a premium on, on board any ship really but you know you have you have your gyms on your gym on board so you can keep fit keep fit yeah you have your rec spaces so it's it's all about getting used to it really it's also it, it's, it's amazing when you're on board these ships to see the sheer amount of kind of amenities and facilities and things that are actually put on board what what Obviously, it's a large thing from the outside. Yeah, but it's misleading from the outside. Yeah. yeah, you don't appreciate what's in there really. So that so, all of this then is pushing towards. So after the summer period, you're moving towards your actual commissioning as as an officer in the naval service. Not the completion of your of your training as say a, an operations officer, but the, f- the finishing of the actual cadetship portion of it. Yes. So I would have been commissioned September 2012, mm. um, but obviously there's there's still a quite a bit of training involved before you can become a a qualified naval watchkeeper in the operations branch. So, and what was the commission day like? Brilliant, yeah, fantastic day. Family down, really great occasion. Um, I suppose it's it's a long time coming. Essentially, you know, you're looking forward to it for best part of two years, and when it does finally come, you know, it's a great occasion. Yeah, and I, I've been to a few of them down here in the naval base, actually, out on the um, out on the square and the out, the outdoor element of it. Yeah, but it's 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 a great it's a great ceremony. Yeah, yeah. it's brilliant, it's brilliant day, really. Um, something that. All, all the cadetships talk about is 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 how is what a sense of achievement on that day it is, and it's the same with obviously all recruit training and everything. You always get 
that day when you bring in the family and, and they get they yeah get it's to, great for them to see college. life in the naval base as well your family you know they don't really appreciate what you're going through when you're telling them on the phone so for them to come down and walk around the base and perhaps get a visit to a ship on the day you know it's great to yeah, see yeah. life in the navy really give them an idea of what, of what you've been doing for the last exactly. yeah so after commissioning so you're you're now commissioned as typically it's an ensign an ensign yeah or a sub lieutenant if you if you have uh, if you had a degree coming in essentially so i would have been in in ul for four years before i came yeah. in so i was commissioned as a sub lieutenant okay right so you're, you're commissioned and yet you have your rank and then you become an officer under training correct yes so you you've still have a number of years to to complete your your naval watchkeeping training um so i was training up until 2015 so i got my naval watchkeeping in 2015 and then since then i've i've had a number of different roles on, on ships and in the base then okay but as regards the kind of officer under training perspective of it, so you do your second year of your nautical science degree which is again building upon what you've done before the same sort of topics we were talking about earlier yes and there's an element of it where you go to sea as well yeah so in the third year it's, it's all spent at sea so you're you're on an either naval vessel or else you have to do a a period of three months on board a merchant vessel. So I was on board um, an Italian uh, oil tanker. Yeah. So we were operating between Australia and Singapore for three months. Wow. So it was brilliant, brilliant experience. Yeah, really, really um, enjoyed it. It's life away from the military, you know, so it's, it's, a, it's a big change from how we operate on yeah. naval service ships, get to see how the, the merchant navy work. And you get to kind of, I suppose, that international qualification as well. And that, I mean, it must have been an amazing experience as well to see all of these different ports and things oh brilliant yeah we got got quite a lot of time in australia and a bit of time in singapore as well and get to interact with you know officers from all over the world you know a lot of indian officers and yeah russians italian officers and you know it was a brilliant experience for the three months it sounds fantastic it sounds like something kind of really unique kind of aspect yeah yeah that's fantastic so um and that leads you to be certified as a, as a merchant officer or a merchant officer of the watch correct yeah so once you've your, your degree finished you have your um sea time done um, you can complete a number of exams and, and if you get through them then you'll, you'll be given a, a merchant officer to watch ticket okay and like at what point do you kind of get your naval service is that a distinct one the naval service watchkeeping certificate or are they kind of yeah the training is ongoing kind of side by side but the um, the naval watchkeeping kind of happens once you, you've completed your, your level 7 degree so you get a level 7 at the end of it but you do have the option to kind of continue further correct yeah so you can c- continue on and get your level 8 once you complete your dissertation and and that's kind of side by side with the, the naval watchkeeping um, qualification. So you're talking about for level seven is kind of three years in, in the National Maritime College of Ireland, but then it's an extra year for the for the dissertation side of it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Uh, so at that point, then you're you're a qualified operations branch officer, and what happens then? Then you're posted out to the, the fleet essentially. So my first posting was navigation and communications officer on the Roisin. So I was out there 2015 for my first, I suppose, real experience uh, as a fully qualified officer it was the, the kind of the learning doesn't stop there though obviously no the first six months are mayhem really like you're <laughs> learning how to how to run a division how to manage people i suppose people are the obviously the most valuable resource but also you know obviously it's difficult to to manage different um personnel and their lives and their backgrounds and all this kind of stuff yeah so of course yeah. you're learning you're learning on the job essentially for the first six or 12 months and you're kind of viewing the side of where you're, you're as well as kind of a an operations, say operator on board a ship. You're also the you're also a man like a, a, a set of people manager. Yeah, you're, you're running like you're running officer. divisions. Yes. So like you're you're out of training. You're on you're on board Eli Roisin or even 
as now you're on board Lake here, like what, give us an idea of what kind of a typical day would be for, say, a navigations officer on board a ship. So I suppose when, when a ship's at sea, it's, it's work around on watch systems. So the navigation officer, typically from 8 in the morning till 12 uh, midday, you're on watch, so you're, you're keeping the ship safe, essentially, on the bridge. So you're in charge of the ship for the captain, essentially. So that'll be 8 to 12. After 12, then you're off watch. Um, you might be de- dealing with divisional issues, so you might have someone who's applying for a course or once we say division as well we're talking about like the different denominations on board the ship like exactly like your engineering yeah. division your communications division yeah yeah oh. so you may be dealing with a, a member of the crew who's trying to apply for a course or trying to upskill so it's up to you then to to further that application through the chain of command so that'd be maybe after lunch um then you might go boarding fisheries boardings are part and parcel of our operations at sea so we conduct the boarding on a you know spanish or french vessel come back from that Perhaps then in the evening, you know, the captain might decide to go to anchor. So as a navigation officer, that's your bread and butter, essentially. So you're planning the anchorage, you're executing the anchorage. Um, and then in the evening, you know, you might go for a run or something, boats ashore, go for a run and come back and relax in for the evening. Perhaps it would be kind of a general yeah. day-to-day activity. I imagine you get seen an awful lot of around Ireland as you're, as you're kind of going around on fishing patrols. Yeah, that's one of the best parts, really. You get to... I suppose go to anchor or go to get to experience parts of the coastline that you'd never see normally in a in a car or by by the land essentially. Yeah, it's a that's a real kind of it's just something that people mightn't even think about when they think about going out on a naval ship. But that kind of sort of way out there in a kind of very wild kind of place, like as in which exactly, the seas. Yeah. Off the west coast, essentially, you know, you've the Skelligs, you you've the Blaskets, all these great places that you, you wouldn't normally get to see, but it's part and parcel of, of life in, in the Navy, really. You're that's seeing your, it. That's your office. That's <laughs> it, essentially. Yeah, that's it, exactly. So, like, as regards sort of um, applying for a Naval Service Cadet, if people have been listening in and they've been they've been thinking this could be something that they have an interest in applying for, um, we're going to go through just the process for it. But before we do, just to underline to any listeners at home that Obviously, we're recording during the COVID-19 pandemic, and that's still very much high on the kind of agenda for the country. Um, so what we describe here is the ideal scenario for recruitment. It's the ideal scenario for the conduct of the Naval Service Cadetship training. This is obviously subject to change with COVID-19, but um, this is kind of the ideal situation. So first of all, the cadetship, as it's open at the moment, until the 31st of May, um, you apply online. Yeah, so you submit your application online, yes. So you apply online, and then the say the window closes. The next phase that you go into then will be the psychometric testing. Psychometric testing, yeah. So you can you complete that online. You'll get a link into your email. Uh, you go online, complete it, um, and then the the results are kind of formulated, and you you get further instructions then. Um, so then the next stage, moving on from that, you're you're looking at your your different phases. So you've got your likes of your group assessment, you've got a fitness assessment, medical assessment, and an interview as well, just to to. I suppose that's the pinnacle of the the whole recruitment the whole process. process yeah. Yeah, yeah, and like the other services we've talked about in the previous in the previous podcast we've done on the cadetships, the um, interviews are competency based interviews, and and they follow uh, various competencies such as leadership and supervising, such as planning and organising. And for any of the specifics with regard to that, or indeed specifics with regard to um, education requirements you might need, they're available in the terms and conditions which are which are on the Defence Forces website, military.ie. Um, so. You complete your review and then you're, play, you're placed on a panel and, and you are you are not offered a, a cadetship as the, you know, depending on how you've done in the competition. Exactly, yeah. And what we've said in a lot of the previous episodes and what I, I stress, because I didn't get it on the first occasion, but if you have a real interest in actually joining and you don't you don't get it the first time, it's important to 
you know, not be too downhearted to go back at it again. Yeah, it's very common for people not to get it on their first go and come back two, three years after and, and get it eventually, yeah. It's very common, really. So the podcast has been mainly focused on the operations aspect of, of the cadetship, the operations cadetship, become a naval service operations officer. But Paul, there's, there's other types of cadetships available in the naval service as well. Yeah, so at the moment we've three of them um, that are open at present. So we have the marine engineering officer. So he's uh, the MEO, we call him on board. So he's in charge of all the, the equipment, um, the engines, the you know the aircon, the thrusters, all the, the, the nuts and bolts of the ship, essentially. So very important role. And then we also have electrical engineering cadetships. So electrical engineers are, are also very important. A lot of our ships have largely electrical equipment is becoming more and more prominent lately yeah. as the ships get more modern. So it's, it's a very important role also. So those two cadetships are also open. And obviously, for again, for the educational requirements for um, engineering or electrical engineering or mechanical engineering cadetships in the Navy service, those educational requirements are available under terms and conditions on military.ie. Just a point to note as well, with regard to the engineering, the two engineering streams that you can go into with the cadetship, you don't need to have those degrees before you come in. The, the Navy Service will train you. Yeah, the Navy will, will train you up. They'll put you to, through college. Um, so it's it's important that anyone out there who's an interest, whether they're serving personnel or, or completely novices to the military, that the Navy will put you through college essentially and get you these qualifications. That It's not something you need to have before you apply. Okay, great. Well, listen, thanks very much for joining us on the show, Paulus. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Kim. Good to be here. Enjoyed it. I, I think there's like an awful lot of really useful stuff for anybody um, that's looking to begin a career in the Naval Service or indeed just for people outside who, who have an interest in it. So, um, yeah, again, really appreciate it. Um, as always, for our listeners out there, please keep an eye on Defence Forces social media platforms and military.ie for further updates on the Irish Defence Forces. And serving members are encouraged to check out the members area of military.ie. Uh, as previously mentioned, the Defence Force Cadetship Competition for all three services, the Army, the Aircraft and the Naval Service, is currently open until the 31st of May 2020. Um, and for information on all these cadetships, uh, please visit the current competitions page on military.ie. Today's episode was produced by Corporal Keith Harrison and Corporal Lee Coyle. Uh, the Irish Defence Force podcast will be back soon with another episode. Uh, for everybody out there, stay safe.